right, so as you know, if you've been following along, we've been in this series called Let It Go. Just let it go. And today we're going to be continuing and finishing the series, uh, Let It Go. And I am anxious to get into the next series, which I won't tell you too much about today. But um, as we go into um, meeting again in person, uh, you'll, you'll want to be here when you can be here. And I trust that God is going to prepare the way in your hearts for the message series that's coming up. That's all I have to say is when you miss a week, you'll miss a lot. So try to be here physically. And if you're not comfortable joining us, and also what I wanted to say about when we do come back on the 7th, um, if you're not okay with wearing a mask for whatever reason, and I'll let that stop right there, whatever reason you have, if you're not okay wearing the mask the entire time in the service, that's what this live stream is for. We're blessed to be able to bring it to you. We're blessed to be able to have the technology that we can can bring that to you. So if you're not able to wear a mask for the entire service, even, I mean, all the time, then continue to join us online and continue to be blessed through the, uh, through the ministry of the live stream. So that's all I have to say about that. Getting back to the series. So when you miss a week, my point is you miss a lot. So let it go. And today we're going to be in 1 Samuel in the Old Testament. And it's a message that uh, I've been praying would impact your heart this morning and you would put the series all together um, that has been ministering to so many people. I've gotten phone calls and texts and emails and, and, you know, I say, well, it's so easy to have this on in the background. And I've gotten notifications from people that have said, you know, this isn't on in the background in our house. We are hearing these words and we are applying these words to our lives. And this is meaningful and impactful. And we're seeing how this word of forgiveness has really changed people really ministered to people during this time and and it's it's rewarding for for the pastor to hear that but i can imagine how how rewarding it is uh for the people and and the freedom that they're finding in the, in forgiveness and they're able, able to let some things go and to reconcile some things and today's going to be no different and i'm i'm praying that this whole thing would would come full circle this morning and we put a nice bow on it and you can say now i get it i fully understand what this forgiveness message is so if you have your bibles get to first samuel we'll get there eventually but i believe what we're going to experience as as a body of believers and that includes everybody joining us online um that we're going to experience significant uh healing this morning and feel feel the presence of the holy spirit as he brings it all together i've got a question for you though this morning and i'll ask it of the of the of the crew that's here joining me and i'll ask it of you online uh, how many of you love a good miracle story, right? Who doesn't love a good miracle story? You know, you just enjoy that that whenever God shows up and shows off, you know, you, he just does something powerful and you're like, yeah, you know, I enjoy a good good miracle story. Something that, something that you know, you prayed about and then, bam, something happens right away and like, that's just got to be God. It's just got to be Him. It's so powerful. And maybe you know somebody, remember... Maybe you can remember somebody in your past or, or maybe not so distant past. Maybe it was in a Bible study or an online thing or a, a Sunday school class in the past where, you know, they just come in with a, a, an unbelievable testimony. And you can see it on people, right? You can see it when you meet together in groups or online and you're like, they're just kind of sitting there. And you can tell they got something to say. And maybe, maybe they walk in and they're like, I'll tell you what, pastor, or whoever is in the room, a class or whoever, 
I tithed for the first time last Sunday and Monday they walk into their job and they got a raise and they got a new promotion and oh my goodness or they committed to another level of giving or something and they say you know what I'm gonna I have that testimony I was early on in my Christian walk and I didn't really know what this whole thing was about tithing and I was getting educated and reading the word and getting educated sitting under leadership that told me how this whole thing worked and I'm like okay all right I hear you so I'm going beyond putting a 20 in the plate. I'm going to do a tithe, right? I'm going to do 10%. You know, the Old Testament says 10%. The New Testament says give everything. So you choose. But you choose where to start. So I chose, all right, 10%. And I was kind of, you know, like a lot of you in the beginning. I'm going to get the calculator and see what the gross is. And 10% is this many dollars and 32 cents. And I'd write the check for this many dollars and 32 cents. And I committed to do that. And I'm telling you, as God is my witness, as we say, I committed to do that. That very same day, the boss supervisor calls me in and says, well, you've been doing such a good job here since we brought you up front to work in the office from the warehouse that uh, we're going to give you a $2 an hour raise. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Then I couldn't wait. I was a baby Christian. I mean, an infant. I could not wait to tell people about that. And you could tell it was just on my mind. And you think, man, that's, that's unbelievable. People come in with those miracle testimonies all the time. Like, what? The problem is, you've been tithing for years. And you're barely paying the bills. And you wonder, where's my miracle? Maybe you got a friend that's been praying for a miraculous healing, right? And, and they've been praying for this healing and... Bam, their parakeet is saved from imminent death. Come on, it's lonely here, church. You've got to laugh a little bit. But you look and you say, well, they got their miracle, and you've been praying for healing for someone that you love, and they weren't healed. But instead, they passed away. Maybe you've got best friend, a best friend, right? Ladies, maybe you finally got this this best friend, and she finally broke up with her not-so-good boyfriend, right? She told him, by faith, she took a risk and said, no more. And you finally convinced her, he's no good for you. She breaks up with him. Three days later, God brings into her life an amazing, godly man, a pastor. Not a youth pastor, definitely not. But a pastor, he comes into her life, an incredible young man, looks like the son of Brad Pitt. And he's memorized two-thirds of the New Testament. Three weeks later, he proposes, and they win a free honeymoon. They're memorizing 1 Corinthians 13 to declare at their wedding coming up. And you do the same thing by faith. you like, I'm breaking up with this loser. And you break up with your not-so-good boyfriend. The problem is you broke up with him in 2015. And the only dates you've had have been with Ben and Jerry. And you're wondering, God, where are you in my life? God, this has happened. And it's so easy to see on Facebook and on social because how many know that people show you their behind their highlight reel? They don't show you the behind the scenes. They don't show you behind the scenes. And you scroll through and you're like, look at this family. God, where are you in my life? You see their, their, their highlight reel and they push it out there and they say, look at this. And you scroll and you look and you go, oh my goodness perfect family they're traveling again they're going what what but you don't realize that their marriage is falling apart but they look so where's my miracle god 
And what you do with that is, in the series and letting it go and forgiveness and all of this, you find yourself disappointed. If you're honest this morning, before God and with yourself, you find yourself disappointed in God. What do you do when you feel like maybe that God, when you feel like God has let you down? I don't know what it might be. I don't know what it is in your life, but you feel like God might have let you down. God, where are you? How could this happen to her or him or them? God, where are you in my life? Maybe it's that child that you always dreamed of having and it never came. Maybe it's the engagement that you believed would be coming and it's still not here to this day. It could have been the miracle that you believed by faith that God was going to do for you and yet God still hasn't done what you know He has the power to do. What do you do when you don't even want to say it out loud because you have a reverence for God? You don't even want to say the words. But you're wondering, God, where are you? Why aren't you showing up for me, God? Where's the miracle I've been believing for? And then you find yourself slightly, or even, even, even more than slightly, disappointed with God. If you're honest this morning, maybe angry with God. Maybe holding a grudge against God. It's not that you don't want to trust Him. You really do. But you might be finding it difficult to trust Him. Because God could do something. And He's not. And God, where are you? For some of you, if you're really honest, you might not even want to say this out loud, but you might be kind of have this low-grade anger with God. What do you do when you realize that you might be holding a grudge against God? You know, last week we talked about forgiving some of the bigger betrayals that have happened in your life and how do you kind of deal with that and process that when someone has significantly wounded us? or hurt us, or wronged us. And today we're going to, and we talked about how to forgive in that, having the faith to forgive, right? We talked about that last week. And this week, we're going to be talking about forgiving God. Go with me for a moment. Forgiving God, and there's a question mark for a reason. What do you do when you, when you realize you're holding a grudge against God? What do you do when you realize... Uh, Where's my miracle, God? And you realize you have this bitterness against God. Now, to be technical, of course, I want to say this because it's very important to say, hear me, church, we don't ever technically ever have to forgive God. That is the truth. Because God doesn't sin. God doesn't need our forgiveness, okay? God doesn't do any wrong. And to say we we forgive God would be unfair and would be wrong. But what of you what what I'm speaking about this morning and that's why there's a question mark. To say that we forgive God? There are those of you this morning perhaps you really do need to reconcile with God. Because you're holding a grudge. You feel like you've been wronged. You feel like that God didn't do what he could have done and you may need to let something go. You may need to let something go. Or by faith, you may need to learn to trust again. What do you do 
when you feel like you've been wronged by God. 1 Samuel chapter 1. If you have your Bibles or apps or however you get there, get to 1 Samuel chapter 1. I can hear pages turning in this room, and I love that. That's a sweet sound of my ear. 1 Samuel, I want to look at a really powerful story in this Old Testament account about a woman who had to perhaps reconcile with some disappointments she had in God. And first I'll tell you a little bit about her husband, give you a little backstory. Um, her husband's name was Elkanah. And those of you that have been through quizzing at any time, remember the name Elkanah. At least I do. It kind of resonates in my mind, Elkanah. So Elkanah, and again, if you're expecting and you're looking for baby names, why not Elkanah? What would you call him for short? Elk? Hey, little elk. A little elk running around. Elkanah, her husband, um, actually had two wives. One, one is the wife we're going to talk about, and her name was Hannah. The other wife was named Penina. And those of you that are, that are, that are gentlemen joining us this morning... Um, are sitting here going, oh man, wouldn't that be awesome to have two wives? If you're saying that this morning, chances are you're not married. I just want to say that because if you're married, you're going to recognize that, honey, you're all that I need. One spouse is enough. And if you say that, oh, wouldn't it be cool to have two? You're not married. This is not what this isn't in this scene. Um, this is not the, the Bachelor, okay? This is, this is not how this worked. This is Old Testament things. This is how God ordained this society at this time. And, and this is not the Bachelor where you can, you know, have these different chicks lined up and everything like... What is the world coming to, by the way? That this is our entertainment, right? I have no idea. But this is not real life, what we watch on TV and watch on that stuff, right? This guy just, this guy had two wives. And what you need to understand about these sister wives, they had a serious rivalry going on. These two women, first we'll talk about how, what that rivalry looked like and how wrong it really was. But Elkanah, in, in fact, if we look at that name, and I say baby names because a lot of us don't just name our babies like we first come to flip through a name book and this is what we're going to name them, right? We, we put some thought into it. Well, that's exactly what they did in the Old Testament time, for sure. In fact, they, they would name a son or daughter that had meaning, right? Like, I know that my name means high or noble. And if you look that stuff up, maybe it was prophetic, I don't know. But if you look that stuff up, you look at this stuff up and you look at your name or maybe these names and Elkanah, Actually, in Hebrew, means that God has created a son. Or God will give you a son. Elkanah. That's what it means. So for this guy, his whole life, women would say, or men would say, or some would say, hey, there's Elkanah. They would say, hey, there's, you're going to have a son. Hey, there's, you're going to have a son. Hey, there's, God's going to give you a son. That's kind of what they were saying when they said Elkanah. They really took a lot of stock in what your name actually means. And so when he married Hannah, of course... What is he going to think? I'm going to have a son. That's what my name means. And then he realized that Hannah couldn't bear children. And that's why most, most scholars believe that he took on a second wife. Happened a lot in those days. Um, if your wife was barren and couldn't have children, you took on a second wife or, or however that God worked that out. But he took on this second wife named Penina. 
And you can only imagine Hannah's internal dialogue, right? She couldn't have a child. And so especially in that culture, she would have felt like a tremendous failure. Perhaps she would have experienced some shame. She might have felt useless, or it would have been real easy for her to say, God, where, where are you? You're the author of life. And why won't you let me bear a child, God? So each year, this family, Elkanah and his two wives, would travel. They would go on kind of a, kind of a trip, a journey, an adventure, a vacation, if you will. And they would go to this place called Shiloh. And they would offer sacrifices and worship God on, at this place called Shiloh. The problem is, Penina, the wife who could have children, she would take every opportunity, especially on this trip, to throw some serious shade on her rival, Hannah, the other wife. And it actually happened. I always say that you know you like someone when you're willing to go on vacation with them. Right? There's plenty of people that I love that I don't want to go on vacation with. So they're in these tight quarters and they're going on this trip together. And they're saying, hey, come on. And then Penina is like taking every opportunity to throw some shade on the rival. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. So Penina would taunt Hannah. It's right there in the scripture. And make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. And verse 7 is extremely painful when I read this. Year after year, it was the same. For some of you this morning, those words might haunt your soul. Year after year, things never changed. Padina would taunt Hannah as they would enter the tabernacle. Imagine that, people going into church. She's poking fun at her. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears, the scripture says, and she wouldn't even eat. Some of you, we just got through the holidays. Some of you have had Thanksgiving and Christmas, and maybe it looked a little bit like that. There was a breakdown. Someone ran off. Someone falls apart, doesn't eat, and is completely moved to tears. I want you to try and get into this story for just a moment and experience what's going on here. We've got Hannah, this very sweet and godly girl, this wife. And then we've got the other one, Penina. This, this is the girl your mother warned you about. Stay away from girls like this, Penina. She's cruel. She's vicious. I mean, she is, she's vicious. She's angry. She's angry than a two-legged cat in a shower. She is angry. I mean, some, and some of you joining us this morning are saying, yeah, I know that girl. I dated that girl. When I was younger, I know who she is. And some of you women are saying, yeah, I know who that is too. I mean, you can only imagine Hannah's mindset. She had to be asking, why in the world would God bless Penina with kids and not bless me. This woman. It's not even like she was just nice and Hannah could be happy for her. She was not nice. Hannah, God, God could have given me a child. I've been faithful. 
I saved myself for marriage. I read my read the scriptures. I read my Bible every day. I would never list Miss Online Church. I'll be the first one back, Hannah said on February the 7th. You know, like this is the girl. She's faithful. See, I'm faithful to you, God. I'm a giver. I love God. I haven't done I haven't done anything wrong. I mean, there's still people. They do things wrong, yet she gets this child. She's able to have children. I've been faithful. God, where are you in my life? I don't understand. But perhaps maybe she did the very same thing that you do. She prayed, and she believed, and she waited, and there was nothing. Year after heart-wrenching year, she prays, she believes, she waits. There might be someone joining us this morning that can relate to this. You pray and you pray and you believe for the salvation of someone that you love, and year by year goes by, and nothing seems to change. You prayed, you prepared, you believed for a job that's going to take care of you and your family with benefits, and yet that job continues to be just out of reach. You ask God for healing for someone that you love, and you know He could, and you believe that He would, and yet He didn't. And you wonder why He does it for others, and He didn't do it for you in this case. Maybe you prayed and asked God, please God, make this depression go away, I beg of you. I know you can, and year after year you still fight to get through the day. I don't know what it is for you this morning. It could be that trial that never seems to go away. God, why do I have to go through this? It could be financial hardship, month after month, year after year, trying to get ahead and you're always feeling like you're behind and you're just here and you can't even hardly do it. Something that you've been dreaming for, hoping for, year after year you've been hoping to find someone to do life with and experience and yet you still are alone and feel alone and one day you wake up going God where are you I'm trying to believe in you I'm trying to trust you God where are you do you hear my prayers God where are you and so you pray and you believe and you wait and another year goes by And if you've ever felt that, that's exactly what Hannah felt like. She was married to Elkanah, who we could, best we could tell, he was a pretty good man. The problem is, this pretty good man, this pretty good guy, he was still a dude. Ladies, you're going to amen this like crazy, and I don't mean to be, just go with me. You, You can't cast the dude out of a man sometimes. It's just part of life. The problem is with with dudes, and what I mean by this is, we just say dudish things sometimes. We just do. It's kind of hardwired in us. You know, we're we're all bent towards sin, right? We we discussed this in membership class, and, and we just our, our sin nature kind of just sometimes we just say really stupid things as dudes. And we ask really dumb questions. Really dumb. Let me chase a rabbit for just a moment. I need to protect some of my brothers for just a moment from imminent danger in your life right now. There are what I call landmines in every marriage. 
landmines. There are certain questions, gentlemen, that you are forbidden to ask. They seem natural. They seem right. They seem easy. But God has sent me here today to deliver someone from trouble and temptation that is to come. Gentlemen, if I can give you just a little bit of advice this morning. Never, never, ever, ever walk in at the end of a day and under any circumstance. Look at your wife and say, so what did you do today? Don't do that. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, just be set free this morning. Do not ever do that. And the lady said, Amen. Don't ever walk up to a woman and say, did, did you mean to do that with your hair? Don't ever. Gentlemen, I'm trying to help you. Whatever you do, guys, I'm, I'm, believe me, I got your back. I'm in your corner. Don't, I'm here with you, my brothers. Gentlemen, whatever you do, do not ask the question, is this your time of the month? Gasp! I can hear it over the internet. The entire valley just went... <gasps> even the tone in this room, even me bringing this up, puts me on incredibly thin ice. Guys, this is how much I love you. Gentlemen, this is how I'm willing to risk it all for you, brothers. Just be careful. Ask questions like this. Why are you so wonderful? How did I end up with a girl like you? Questions like that. Elkanah was a dude. Somebody say he was a dude. You're going to be like surprised if you've never read this story. He asked an incredibly dudish question. I want to show you one of the most dudist questions you can read anywhere in the scripture this morning. Poor Hannah, right? She wants to have a child. Elkanah wonders why she's so upset. And he asks this question in verse 8. Why are you crying, Hannah? Aw, he cares. Not, it's not the question. Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than ten sons? Everybody say, he's a dude. That's the scripture. You have me. Isn't that better than ten sons? This actually made sense to him, uh, ladies. I can't explain why, but it made sense to him to ask this question. Now, Hannah's response is not recorded in scripture. <laughs> but God revealed it to me. How about that? Well, here's what she said. You want to rephrase that? You want to rethink that question and ask it again? Because you don't want to hear the answer, Elkanah. I want you to feel her pain. I want you to feel her pain in this moment. She's doing everything she possibly can to trust in God. The only thing she wants, that God has the power to give, God seems to be withholding from her. And, and she's got Penina running around with her little rugrats running around, her curtain climbers. And, and she's always criticizing her, belittling her and her husband, who actually is the good man, but he continued to put his foot in his mouth. When do you wake up and find yourself disappointed because God didn't do what you know he could have done? And we can, we can laugh about it, and he is a dude, and it's a shame. But what I want to show you 
is exactly what Hannah did. And this is something that on occasion you might even find helpful. Chances are pretty good you won't hear about this too often when you walk into a church. You won't hear a lot of pastors tell you to do this. And I wouldn't recommend that you do it for the next 20 years. But every now and then, you may do what Hannah did. She just unloaded on God. She just let it rip. I don't say make this a regular practice, but Hannah, taunted by Penina, seeing the kids, dude asking dumb questions, she, you know what? She just unloaded. She had reached her breaking point. She didn't hold anything back. She told God exactly what she felt. She took all the pain, all the hurt, all the disappointment, all the anguish, all the agony, and she hurled it recklessly toward God. This is what the scripture says. That after once, after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli, the priest, was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. And Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. From the depths of her heart, she cries out. I don't know what she said, but she's, she is broken. God, this isn't fair. God, why didn't you? God, why aren't you? Why'd you give a baby to her? And why didn't you give a baby to me? God, I've done everything I could for you. I believed in you, God. I've been faithful. I've loved you, trusted you. God, I've always been there for you. I've always declared your faithfulness, your goodness. God, why haven't you done this for me? And she pours out her heart to God. And if you've ever found yourself hurting or feeling disappointed in God, just let him know. Pour out your heart to God. Take that. Don't hold it. Give it. He's a, he's a big God. He can handle it. David did that in the Old Testament. God, why aren't you stopping my enemies? Why did you let them taunt me? Jeremiah cried out. Jesus, he cried out to God from time and time again. If you read Jeremiah, Jesus on the cross even cried out to God. My God, my God, why have you turned your back? Why have you forsaken me? I've been faithful in every moment of my life. And when I need you most, you pull back. God, why have you done this? Jesus cried out those words. God loves you. God understands your pain. And I believe with all my heart that God welcomes your questions. He's big enough to handle your doubts. In fact, with everything in me, I believe that our God would rather have you yelling at him with disappointment and in pain than to walk away in hurt and defeat. I, would, I, I believe with everything in me that God would rather you cry out to him and have a dialogue with him than to say, you know what, God, I am done and walk away. Take your pain to God. And if you ever find yourself disappointed, hurt, disillusioned, God is big enough to understand your pain. Take it to him. Hannah was in deep anguish crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. Hannah unloaded on God. I don't understand. And then in her prayer, she cries out to God, if you just give me a son, I'll give him back to you. He will not be mine. I'll dedicate every ounce of his life completely to you. I'll give him to you. 
And then there's an interesting dialogue between her and this high priest. Um, you can read it for yourself, but at the end, of the, con- the end of the conversation, the priest essentially says to her, may God grant your request. That's all he says. There's no immediate change. There's no heaven opens up, light shines down on her. She walks away with nothing tangible and still has to deal with you-know-who, Penina. Still has to deal with Elkanah, who says dudish, dumb things. She's got no baby. She's got no real sign. And then what does she do? She does the very same thing that you might do when you find yourself disappointed in God. She continues by faith, even though she might not feel like it, she continues to hold on to God. Hold on. And believe, like we sang about this morning, that he's still good. She hangs on. She still tries to trust. She sees Nothing. But even though she doesn't see anything, she does know that that doesn't mean that God's not actually doing something. And with whatever little bit of faith that she has, she continues holding on and believing that God is still good. She holds on and doesn't let go. Continuing on in 1 Samuel, if we jump over to verse 19, it says this, and this is so incredibly emotional to me, this verse. This is what it says. The entire family got up early the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. I love the way that that's phrased. They got up the next morning, still seeing nothing, the next morning. And what does she do? She went to worship the Lord once more. We have all had those moments of, where are you, God? God, I know you can. God, why haven't you? We hang on and we go back and we worship one more time. One more time. And we believe and we know that Hannah learned one thing. And that's that a waiting season is never a wasted season. A waiting season is never a wasted season. That just because you don't see something doesn't mean that God's not doing something. That His Spirit is still working. In fact, just yesterday, someone came up to me and said, you know, I have a question for you. All this stuff that's happening, we see on TV and all that stuff, you know, and, and we thought one thing was going to happen and it didn't, and now we're caught in this and we think this is all going to be, how is this all going to turn out? And, you know, when you pray and you, you really think this is going to happen the way you think it's going to happen and it doesn't, at what point, at what point do you give, the, do you kind of surrender that? At what point you say, you know what, hey, this, we thought this was going to happen. And I'll just be real with you, you know, a lot of people that stormed the Capitol thought, that election was going to go another way. Right? Obviously. And they weren't, in my mind, when I watched that, they weren't taking no for an answer. This happened. Okay, we're not, no, no, here we come. At what point, someone said yesterday, do you sort of accept what's happening? And I said, friend, what I ask in these times is, God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to teach me? Are you trying to teach me patience? Are you trying to teach me to wait on you? Are you trying to teach me to trust you? 
God, what are you trying to teach me? Rather than get involved in all that, rah, we, I, 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 I take a step back and I look to God and say, okay, God, I, I trust you're in control. None of this surprised you. God, what are you trying to teach me in this? What are you trying to teach me as a Jesus follower? God, what are you trying to teach me as, as a pastor? What are you trying to teach us as a church, as a group, as a body of believers? God, what are you trying to teach us? To trust you more? God, have we not trusted you? Do we need to seek forgiveness? What are you trying to teach me, God? A waiting season is not a wasted season. Just because you don't see something happening doesn't mean that God's not doing something. Or let me say it this way. Just because you don't see things going the way you thought they were going to go doesn't mean that God's not still in control. His Spirit's working. He's still good. We sang about it. You all sang about it if you meant it. And then he still hears the cries of your heart. A waiting season, for those of you that are waiting right now, is not a wasted season. In Hannah's case, she cries out. She cries. He hears the cries of her heart. And God does give her the desires of her heart. That may happen in your life. It may not. But no matter what the outcome is, the goodness of God is not based on what we see or don't see. The goodness of God is simply based on who he is. In Hannah's case, this is what happened. They returned home to Ramah where Elkanah uh, slept with Hannah. And the Lord remembered her plea, the, the Bible says. This was, of course, after he apologized for that dumb question that he asked just a little bit ago. Obviously. Because the, the verse says that Elkanah slept with Hannah not on the couch. It's lonely. Crickets. Okay, thank you. But Elkanah slept with Hannah, and the Lord remembered her plea. And in due time, she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, I asked the Lord for him. And she learned again very clearly that God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. God's delays are are not necessarily his denials. Just because you don't see something in a moment doesn't mean you're not going to see it in your lifetime. And so we continue to pray. We unload on God. We tell him how we feel. And what does the scripture say? We show up and we worship once more. We worship once more. as we kind of put a bow on this sermon series we take time to reflect on what we've learned from God's word so far and how he might be bringing it full circle back to you just because you don't see something doesn't mean that God's not working a waiting time, a waiting period is not wasted don't just sit there with your arms folded and say, okay, God, do something. What's God trying to say to you? If you're in a waiting season, if things aren't going how you think they should go, ask that question, God, what, what are you trying to say to me? What are you trying to say? Take the opportunity of a waiting season 
to learn more about how he might speak to you. Don't be like Penina. Don't taunt those who like, ah, see what I got and you don't have. Be careful what you post. I often say pray before you post. It's okay to unload on God. Don't make it your practice, but it's okay once in a while when it becomes too much to handle. Unload on God and tell him, you know what, God? What's going on here? And you'll find at the end of that, God will give you a peace and he'll say, you know what? Just come and worship once more. Come and worship once more. Yeah, but God, you didn't... Save it. Come and worship. Just bow your heads with me this morning. Right where you are, I don't care if it's in your living room, joining with a watch party with friends, I don't know what you're doing. Bow your head right where you are and get before a holy God. And maybe you take this opportunity as I pray to kind of unload on God and say, God, why? I don't understand. God, why? Why not? I don't, I don't get it, Lord. But maybe you've learned through the example of this account. Hannah's story. Maybe you've learned to trust him. Maybe you take this time to turn your face toward God and while we talk about forgiving God, really it's asking God to forgive you. And we say, Lord, that before you this morning part of forgiveness can be sometimes the beginning of forgiveness can be saying I'm sorry God the beginning of forgiveness oftentimes when we ask people for forgiveness we often start with an apology saying I'm sorry So God, if we're completely transparent and honest before you this morning, there are those joining us this morning that would need to get on their knees before you, God, and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord, for not trusting you. God, that's a hard thing for some people to pray, but Lord, if, if it really, if really we, we boil it all down, it comes down to trust in a lot of our cases. And the first thing we would say to you, God, this morning is, I'm sorry for not trusting you. Sorry, God, for not trusting that you fully know what you're doing. God, forgive me for wanting to stand up on my soapbox God, forgive me to want for, for standing up and pushing my agenda. God, forgive me and I'm sorry for 
wanting what I think is right above, Lord, what you think is right. So we stand here this morning, or we kneel here, or however we're before you this morning, Lord, saying, I'm sorry. Apologizing to you, God, for what we've made our life to be. Our life is oftentimes, God, about what we want, forgetting what you ultimately want. So God, how do we know what you ultimately want? Well, it's in your word. And God, right about the time when we would want to stand up on our soapbox and shake our fist at people we don't agree with and and jump on the bandwagon with those who are shaking their fist, right about that time we want to get up on our, 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 be our high and mighty on our own. I'm reminded, Lord, that when we say, God, all right, what should we do? You gave us a command on what we should do. Love you and love others. And God, I really pray for everyone that is bowed before you this morning and hearing my voice. I really pray, Lord, that before we would do something or act, we would run those thoughts through the filter of the Holy Spirit. And we would ask you, God, is this really something, God, you would have me being a Jesus follower is this really something you would have me to do and rather God than trust any group of people or ourselves Lord we, we surrender that trust to you we give you ultimate sovereignty in our lives that we just trust you And when it seems logical, it seems to make sense, Lord, that that we would take control, God, help us to give you that control. Surrender that to you. And God, if we haven't in our lives so far, we apologize for that. God, we're sorry. From this moment on, God, might we continue each and every single day to worship you, to trust you fully. We thank you, Lord, for working in our lives, for giving us, Lord, uh, this ability to even attempt to surrender control. That's a hard thing for people to do. Hard. God, it's hard for dudes to do. It's hard for us, God. If I could speak to the men this morning that are joining us, it's hard for us as men who are fixers by nature. We'll handle it. We'll get it done. I can fix it. God, that's hard for us to surrender control to you. And I know, Lord, it's hard for a lot of ladies that are joining us too that that you know especially uh parents of young ones and people that have that well come here and mom will fix it come here and i'll get it done oh i i can fix you i'll help you we have this compassionate heart lord that says i will i'll do it i'll do it but god help us to surrender control to you control as a lot of us have found out recently is an illusion 
Because God, you're in control. We need to surrender. And so God, as we leave this particular service, would you work on our hearts, God, to surrender that control to you? And God, as we continue in, in an attitude and a spirit of prayer and worship, if we're in a waiting season, help us to realize that waiting season is not wasted. Work on us, Lord. Reveal things to us through the Holy Spirit. And Lord, as we bow before you this morning, those that are gathered here and those that are joining online, with no distractions, in front of, behind, or around us, God. Focused on you. If that means closing your eyes, then close your eyes where you are. And you would say to me, Pastor, this morning I need to surrender to God. I need to give up control. I've been trying to hang on. And I need to give up control. I need to let it go. I need to let the control that I thought I had, let it go. If that's you this morning, I want to pray for you. I want to lift you specifically before the throne in my closing prayer this morning. If that's you this morning, if you're in this room, say, Pastor, that's me. I need to give up some control. If you're joining us online, just leave it down there. Amen. If you're leaving it, all, all in God's hands saying, God, it's yours. I surrender control. I don't need to control it. It's yours, God. I am ready to let it go. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you that I can offer forgiveness. And I am just, I am just there, God. I'm ready to let it go. If that's you this morning, just put a little note down in the comments saying, yep, I surrender. Those two words, I surrender. Put that down there in the comments and we'll reach out and we'll make sure that you understand what that means and we'll follow up. But if that's you this morning, put it down there, slip your hand up and say, that's me. Thank you. God, those that are ready to surrender control to you that haven't, God, I pray for those specifically this morning that you would, you would minister to them and that you would convince them God, that even though this time seem, seems long and it's year after year and, and we can see this example in the scripture, Lord, how, how Hannah's heart just ached year after year. Help those folks that have indicated this morning that they need to surrender full control to you. God, I pray that you would give them peace right now through the Holy Spirit that all of a sudden, Lord, they would begin to realize when they surrender control, the Holy Spirit then just drips peace all over. And the Holy Spirit just speaks to their heart and says, yeah, you don't have to. You never had to. I got it from here. I got it from here. Help those that are in this waiting period, God, to know that it's not its not wasted. They don't need to just sit there and wait and wait and wait and wait. But God, help them to, to hear from you, hear, hear from your word, whatever it takes, God. Minister to their hearts in this season. And if they are truly able to let it go, God, I pray that you would fill that void with your Holy Spirit. Might everyone that has prayed that prayer, I surrender it this morning. Everyone that has prayed that and said that to you, God, 
might they be filled afresh and anew, filled with the Holy Spirit, so that their their cup runs over, as the old hymn says, on my cup runneth over with your peace, your joy. God, I thank you in advance for what you're about to do in your people. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to minister. And as we leave this service and come and it comes to a close, God, might we not depart from your presence. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. I pray that God's Holy Spirit has set some people free this morning. I, I pray that, that you would not be the same. God didn't have you hearing these messages and this word by accident. God's got something to do in your life. Be open to his leading and his calling and his direction and his sovereignty. And I pray that you would join us again next week online and then those that are local to here would join us in person on February the 7th as we come back to in-person gatherings. Um, the live stream will still be up and running. So if you're joining us from afar or you're not okay with coming in person yet we fully we fully understand and continue to join us on the live stream and and comment and send the uh send the emails and correspondence how we love to hear from all of those who have gathered from all over the place it's been it's been a blessing god bless you i love you all love being your pastor until next time i pray that you would let it go and let god speak to your heart god bless you